Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 11 through 20. And this is a familiar passage um, about a time when the Israelites who had just come out of slavery in Egypt but had not yet made it to Mount Sinai were, um, well, out in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat and uh, not sure what they were going to do about it or why in the world God would bring them to such a place. Uh, Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. God, we do thank you for your word you have given to us. God, we pray that you would help us this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed to listen, to hear, to understand, or to be changed, or to leave this place as those who are truly following you wherever you lead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 16, verses 11 through 20. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Turning then, it says... In your bulletin, I apologize for this, 2 Timothy, it's actually 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 2, although it will be most of the way through verse 2, just because of how that breaks out. We'll start with, these are the things. Second paragraph there. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And says, these are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to, the, and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, and malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap 
and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them then, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, This morning, we are actually going to be looking at, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to have favorite chapters, but uh, one of my favorite chapters (laughs) in the Bible. And one of the reasons it has become a favorite for me is that it is a part of a family tradition we now have in our family uh, that takes place every Easter morning. And that is, uh, I don't know what your Easter morning family traditions are, but for us, one of the Easter morning family traditions is... uh, for Diana to make fish for breakfast. And then we all have fish for breakfast. We do that once a year. I'm not typically a fan of that breakfast menu. I don't know what your favorite breakfast food is, but probably not fish. But we do it on purpose, on Easter morning, because of what we're about to read about. Because of this time when after Jesus was raised from the dead, he cooked breakfast for his disciples. There's a lot of celebration on Easter Sunday about the empty tomb, and rightfully so. But you could draw the wrong conclusion from an empty tomb and say, that means Jesus is gone. And the whole point is not that he's gone. The whole point is that he is still alive and that he is still active in and amongst his people. And so this is the reason why we uh, celebrate that way, uh, reminding ourselves of how Jesus continued to show up in the lives of his disciples and even uh, doing things for them like this. Anyway, so we eat fish for breakfast and we read John 21. We'll spend the next three weeks in John 21 here, but uh, today we get started with verses 1 through 14. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, 
But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love this. (laughs) So setting the stage, we have uh, seven of the original 12 disciples, seven of them at this point, who are together. We had seen uh, over the last two weeks times when they were mostly together. We saw uh, when 10 of them were together, Judas no longer with them, and Thomas wasn't there that time. And then the next week when all 11 were there, Thomas included. Well, now we have, you know, a group of seven of them, and Peter decides, you know what? It seems like a good time to go fishing. What else are we doing? Jesus has appeared to them, raised from the dead, twice. So he knows that Jesus has raised from the dead. Um, but now what? Well, I guess you go fishing. And so he goes fishing. And the other disciples are like, good idea. Let's go fishing. And so they go fishing. And it's in this moment that several things happen. But one of the things that happens is they get a, um, a very clear, uh, applicable lesson about what Jesus had told them the night before he went to the cross. In John chapter 15, Jesus had said to them, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's one of those um, sentences we always want to go, well, nothing, maybe we can, (laughs) maybe something still. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we say, well, what does that mean? Well, here they get at least a bit of an understanding of what that means. These seven disciples go back to what it is they know how to do, and that's fish. Uh, Many of them had been fishermen before Jesus called them, and so they go back to fishing. And I don't know if you've ever had a bad day fishing, but even good fishermen have bad days fishing, right? I, I trust that you are all very good fishermen who just have bad days. There's no other explanation. Okay. um, (laughs) 
But these guys are having a bad day. It's not the first time. They've had nights like this before. But if you've ever had a bad day fishing, uh, there are a couple different ways you can uh, approach a bad day fishing. One is, you know, like the um, signs say you can find in various gift shops and things or T-shirts, you know, a bad day fishing beats a good day anywhere else, that kind of thing. You can have that. Or you can have the attitude of, I was actually fishing because I needed to catch fish. (laughs) And I'm trying everything I know how to do, and it's just not happening, and I'm so frustrated. I don't know where you land on that. Um, The way that I uh, take this passage is the disciples are more in that latter category. (laughs) That they have been trying everything that they can all night long. They've gone back to what it is they know, and they can't catch anything. And then Jesus shows up. And this changes everything. Jesus shows up. They don't recognize him. They don't know it's him. But some guy calls out to them from the shore and starts giving them fishing advice. The correct response is, thanks, buddy, but mind your own business. Or at least, it's what you might be tempted to say. But he calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. Yeah, I bet. Like we haven't been throwing it everywhere we could think to throw it all night long. But for some reason, they do it. They actually go ahead and throw it on the other side of the boat. And this time, everything changes. And there are so many fish that before they they were unable to catch any, now they're unable to haul in the amount of fish that there are in the net. Just on this one cast. They've been out all night. This one cast. Everything has changed. Is this the first time they've had this experience? It's not. A lot of times we kind of uh, get the two times this happened mixed up in our minds. We think, oh yeah, there was that time when Jesus had them throw the net out and they caught a bunch of fish after they hadn't been able to catch any. But that isn't just the one time. This is the second. Luke 5, if you'll look there. Um, oh, this is fantastic. So in Luke 5, Jesus is actually in the boat with them. And he's preaching from the boat. And then in verse it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. In other words, this is how it began. This is how it began with Jesus and Peter, with uh, with Jesus and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. 
And here it is happening again. And I think it's because it was happening again that we see the next two things happen. One is John clues in. A light bulb goes off like, hey, wait a second. This seems familiar. And he's like, Peter, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And Peter's like, you are right. And immediately grabs his clothes, puts them on, and jumps in the water. Don't ask. And But his goal at this point is forget the fish, get to Jesus. (laughs) Go to Jesus. And so that's exactly what he does. Tries to get to Jesus as fast as possible. The other disciples follow along in the boat, dragging the fish. And this is where things, um, this is where, to me, that's great. They caught a bunch of fish. That's wonderful. They couldn't do it, now they can. Why? Jesus. He makes the difference. But this is where uh, the story helps us understand what's going on. That it's not just about uh, dazzling the disciples. And it's not about the disciples uh, doing something that Jesus needs. Here's the thing. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Had they brought their fish yet? There's already fish on the fire. Here's what I think is so cool. To me, Jesus has fish. Where did he get the fish? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Jesus can get fish. So he's got fish on the fire. The disciples are out there. They've been fishing all night. They can't do it. What Jesus could say at this point is, it's all right, just call it a night. Come on in. I've already got breakfast for you right? They don't need to catch fish. But he still invites them to catch fish. They don't need to catch fish to provide something for Jesus. He's got it already, but he still invites them to catch fish. And he says to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. He's inviting them, not only to catch the fish, but inviting them to participate in the provision for the breakfast. And then we get to the last section where Jesus says, come and have breakfast. He invites them to eat with him. He takes the bread and he gives it to them, takes the fish and he gives it to them. This ought to sound familiar as well. And the two times he did this in the wilderness where with a few uh, small loaves and a few small fish, he feeds a lot of people. He is the one who is providing. And yet every step of the way, he's invited the disciples to join him. What is going on here? I think there are a couple things going on. One, I don't think it's about the fish. I think it's about the invitation. That Jesus is inviting his disciples into what he is doing. And it's what he's doing for them. 
And it is in their acceptance of this invitation that is good for them. He's teaching them to trust. He's teaching them to walk with him. He's teaching them that he is the one who is providing. He is the one who's got this. This goes back to Exodus. It goes back to the manna in the wilderness that God provides for the people. Why is God providing manna for the people? As soon as they get out of Egypt, it is, look, I'm going to take you to a place where there's no food. I'm going to give you food. I'm going to take you to a place where there's no water. I'm going to give you water. And we're going to see if you can learn to trust me, to trust me as we go along. And the people say, yeah, I'd rather not learn that lesson. Uh, the easy way, we'll, we'll, we'll take the hard option. Thank you. Don't we all? But here Jesus is saying, I can provide for you, but he doesn't just say, I can provide for you. Trust me in that. But I call you friends. Friends, haven't you any fish? Throw your net on the right side. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Come and have breakfast. I think all too often when we pray, we imagine that what we are doing is inviting God to come and be a part of our lives. And I would suggest to you today that that is backwards from the whole story of the Bible. For the whole story of the Bible is God inviting us (laughs) to be a part of his life. The whole story of the Bible is God inviting us to be a part of his life. And then we say, well, how can I do that? And the short answer is, you can't. Just as much as the disciples were unable to catch fish. But, Jesus changes everything. This is the good news. That is in Jesus that we are able to accept that invitation to be a part of God's life. And so when he says to them on the night before he goes to the cross, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We think, okay, so it's all about the fruit. And then we read this passage. And it's they're unable to catch fish, but with Jesus, they can catch fish. And we go, okay, so it's all about the fish. Wait, I'm confused. Is it about fruit or is it about fish? Neither. Neither. It's about staying connected with Jesus. It is about a life of walking with him and trusting him in everything. And this is why we celebrate Easter, not just with an empty tomb, but with a breakfast of fish celebrating our risen Lord who invites us into the things that are life-giving, that he doesn't need us to do for him, but we need to do to have life in him. There are all kinds of ways to get this wrong. And so I want to remind you as we seek to live this out, that there is grace every step of the way as long as we continue to walk with Jesus, to trust in him. Uh, Yes, we'll mess it up. 
you can read all about the times that Peter messed it up. And next week, we'll look at how Jesus um, responds to that with Peter. But for now, walk with Jesus. Trust Jesus. Accept the invitation into the life that he offers and that he died that we could have. And help extend that invitation to those who have not yet heard. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.